Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Welcome back to Stand Strong in the Word. Jason Min is with you. I am so glad to be back with you. I know a lot of you guys have been wondering, Jay, when are you going to be posting the next podcast? I got some good feedback from some of you guys recently, so I really appreciate that. Uh, One of the reasons we haven't been able to post uh, podcasts lately is I've been doing a lot of traveling and promoting a new book called Abandoned Faith, Why Millennials Are Walking Away and How to Lead Them Home. We published this with Focus on the Family. It's been a project that we've been working on for well over two years. We just got back recording with Jim Daly on Focus on the Family Radio. So I'll be letting you guys know when that's going to be aired. And we also finished a new manuscript, a new book that's going to be coming out this summer called Stand Strong in Your Faith. So these are great resources to really help bolster your faith uh, and to really equip the church. And that's our passion, as you guys know, not just here on the, on the podcast and Stand Strong in the Word, but really my burden and our vision of Stand Strong Ministries is to help reinforce biblical truth. So having said that, that uh, explains a little bit as to why we couldn't get to the podcast. So I'm just so stoked and thrilled to be with you guys back, going through the Gospels, explaining some things. So today we're going to be looking at the voice. Now, this has nothing to do with the TV show. It has to do with John the Baptist. He was the original voice. Remember the voice crying out in the wilderness? And so we're going to be looking at that. And I I want to say something. And as always, you can always go to the podcast section on our StandStrongMinistries.org website. And we upload the notes that I make for these podcasts. So those are always available for you when you're listening to whatever podcast you're listening to on Stand Strong in the Word. But I want to make mention that we're now in the phase in our chronological reading of the Gospels where... There's going to be a lot of jumping around because, particularly in the Synoptic Gospels, what you do have is many of them, as you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Mark being the original Gospel written first, then Matthew, and then Luke, but they talk a lot about the same stories and they complement each other very well, but sometimes there's additional detail that's given in one in one reference or one account, one book one gospel, then maybe the other ones don't necessarily do. So to kind of get a broader, more clearer picture, I'll be jumping around a lot now as we're going through the gospels to give you a better understanding of what's taking place. Matthew says this, but Mark gives more, uh, shed some more light here. And then Luke mentions something maybe that the others don't necessarily do. And so put those in perspective and it helps, again, build the puzzle. So um, having said that, what I'm going to do now starting today is there's three references of, of John the Baptist that's mentioned in Matthew 3 verses 1 through 12, Mark chapter 1 verses 1 through 8, Luke chapter 3 verses 1 through 18. I can't read all three of those passages. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Luke 3, 1 through 18 And then jump around in my outline of kind of seeing when Matthew mentioned something, when Mark mentioned something. And then, of course, it's corresponding in the Gospel of Luke as well. So that will give us perspective. So having said that, let's jump right in and listen to the Word of God. Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Eteriah and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. 
And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. He, John the Baptist, said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized by John the Baptist and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And John said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Even soldiers had asked John the Baptist, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And then finally, verse 18 of Luke chapter 3, it says, So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. Well, so there's a lot of great things that we see in this passage of Scripture. So I encourage you, uh, as I mentioned earlier, to jump to look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, because they also give the account. Now, as we dive right into this whole thing, well, let's look at the preaching of John the Baptist in the wilderness. We know, according to Luke chapter 3, verse 1, that this was in the 15th year reign of Tiberius Caesar. So this could be roughly 8029 to about 8030. When Jesus is about to come on scene and, get, and be baptized, we'll talk about that in our next podcast by John the Baptist. Matthew 3 verse 1 says it was in those days. Uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 1 says the beginning of the gospel. This was the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it was the, basically the start of his Galilean ministry. The other thing that's interesting that we are told according to scripture in Mark chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 is that even the prophet Isaiah and also Malachi both foretold that there would be this voice of course this is john the baptist now they didn't know who it would be but they said there would be a voice that would come we are told in scripture i will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way we're told in malachi 3 verse 1 and the book of isaiah we're told a voice of one calling in the wilderness and the desert prepare the way for the lord make straight paths for him now in luke chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 as i just read uh, Luke adds also verses 4 and 5 of Isaiah 40, where it says, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now, the cool thing was, John the Baptist, being this voice, preparing the way for the Messiah, he had one message 
one key thing that he focused on, and we're told in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, it was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So his message was one of repentance. So what did he mean by that? Why was John so fixated on this ministry of repentance? Well, because repentance literally means to change one's mind. It's a completely total change of life. So although the kingdom of heaven was something the Jews uh, understood, repentance was something they lacked. Now, when you look back through the Old Testament, we certainly saw many times when God would tell the people to repent, to turn from their wicked ways, and he'd forgive them, uh, he'd heal them. But at this stage of time, during this 15th year of Tiberius, and with John the Baptist being on scene in the wilderness and calling people to repent and baptizing them, you can see the state of mind that a lot of the Jews were in, that they were not anticipating uh, the Lord. They were children of Abraham, and pretty much that was enough in their eyes. So now let's look at John's identity. In Matthew 3, verses 3 through 6, and Mark chapter 1, verse 6, we're given descriptions of what John the Baptist looked like, his kind of his appearance, very, very rugged as we know, and also gives mention to the kind of diet that he was under. Now, John's appearance and his diet fit the kind of man that he certainly was. Uh, according to the Mosaic Law, John the Baptist, he ate locusts and crickets in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 22. He didn't live, obviously, for the riches of the world. He didn't live to please the religious leaders, as we certainly see in these passages. His ministry was patterned after the prophet Elijah. In 2 Kings chapter 1, verses 7 through 8, it says, And he said to them, What kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? And they answered him, He, referencing Elijah, Elijah wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist. And he said, it is Elijah, this Tishbite. So here we have the description of Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of all time. And then we have John the Baptist who really copies uh, the lifestyle of John the, uh, of Elijah. So pretty cool to know that John the Baptist was heavily influenced when it came to a prophet like Elijah. Now, here's what's also interesting, we're told according to scripture, that when he was out there in the wilderness, you would think this guy is a nut job. He, he, he's, a, he's a bum based on his description and his diet. But guess what? The Bible says all of people in Jerusalem and all parts of Judea and even throughout the regions of the Jordan came out here, not just to hear this voice, but to be baptized by this prophet. Uh, one of the cool things uh, when you look at the baptism of John the Baptist to what was commonly accepted and practiced back then was self-baptism was re was a uh, required practice for those who were actually unclean in Leviticus 14.9 and Numbers 19 verse 19. So the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees would not be coming out there to be baptized by John the Baptist. Only people who were unclean would have to be cleansed that way. So, but what, what was John saying? He wasn't just verifying that they were unclean physically or they, they were lepers. What he was saying was through his message of repentance is that you need to recognize your uncleanliness, your spiritual uncleanliness, that you are filled with sin, that you are to confess your sins. And as you confess your sins, you are to anticipate the coming Messiah who will take away your sin. So baptism was a recognition, it was a ceremonial recognition of their uncleanliness, but it was not an act or a ritual that literally removed them of their sin. John was saying, the one to come, the one that I am announcing, he will be the one to take away the sins of the world. Now, as he was recognizing the sinfulness 
of the people and for them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, according to Matthew 3, verse 2. He also then, in Matthew 3, 7 through 10, in Luke chapter 3, 7 through 8, rebukes the religious leaders. Now, we're told, according to Matthew chapter 3, that the Pharisees and Sadducees, they came out there to hear uh, the what John the Baptist was telling them. Now, these were two... Uh, polar opposite movements of these they were rival religious leaders okay and they prophesied things that never came to pass and they would put out predictions and they would give interpretations to the to the law for people to follow but they're very deceptive and they're very dangerous individuals and so john the baptist rightly so as a prophet anointed by god and foretold to come by isaiah and malachi he rebukes these people these religious leaders he also says that there is a wrath that's going to come. He's talking about God's judgment that was going to fall upon the Jews. Now, they were just thinking it was going to be upon the Gentiles, in this case, the Romans who oppressed them. But we are told in the writings of, of Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, that we are to wait for the Son, Jesus Christ, from heaven, whom he, God, raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So remember, he's, he's saying, repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, is going to come. I am preparing the way for him. And there is going to be a wrath that's going to come. But Jesus, the one who removes us, or who, excuse me, who removes sin from our lives, is also going to be the one who will deliver us from this wrath to come. So again, that's a prophetic message that's coming from the mouth of John the Baptist himself. Now, notice in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, when they said that Abraham is our father, their belief was in Abraham's righteousness. Abraham obeyed and followed God. We recognize Abraham to be our father. Therefore, God will accept us. But you know what? Here's the thing that we learn in Christianity, that just because someone does something that is obedient to the word does not mean we may love that person. We may accept that person. They may love us and they may accept us, but that's not transferred to us. They can't save us. Their acts in Christ doesn't mean that we will be redeemed as well. Because Abraham was obedient and God accounted to him for righteousness, as we're told in Romans chapter 4 and Galatians 3, does not mean that that fell upon the Jewish people. But at this state of mind, because I believe the influence, the bad influence, that is, of the Pharisees and Sadducees, a lot of the Jewish people had come to a place where they were unrepentant and they were not anticipating the coming Messiah. But here's what's interesting in Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Remember, as we read earlier, Jesus, John the Baptist was telling them how they are to live. He says, you are to give your tunic. You are to not um, jeopardize or ex extort money from anybody. You're not to give threats. You're not to give false accusation. He's not just telling this to uh, the people in general, but he was also having tax collectors and also Roman soldiers who were saying, well, what about us? That's great revival. He's telling the people from Jerusalem, Judea, and other parts of Jordan that they are to repent. He was telling tax collectors who were ripping their own people off to repent. Even Roman soldiers were coming out. And remember, there was nothing that was appealing whatsoever to John the Baptist. He did not fit any profile. He was not accepted in any class in those days. He was a man who was poor. He represented the spirit of Elijah, and he was he was prophesied by by amazing prophets that he would come someday, and he would give 
the message of repentance so people would start responding when Jesus came on scene. And it was having such a huge impact that even Roman soldiers were coming to John the Baptist. Now, here's what's also cool, as we're told in Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 12, Mark chapter 1, 7 through 8, and Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 18, that these people were coming in expectation and they're questioning in their hearts and they're concerning this John like, man, is he the Christ? Is he the anointed one? Is he Mashiach? The people were struggling, but they were wondering, this is so uh, uncharacteristic. This is so extraordinary. Perhaps he could be the one that we have been waiting for. But notice what Paul, or excuse me, notice what John the Baptist says. He says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, in Mark chapter 1, verse 7, Luke chapter 3, verse 16, the one who is coming is mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to remove his straps from his sandals. He says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Rabbis could require their students to do anything, okay, except what? Untying their rabbi's sandals. Why, you might ask? Well, untying a person's sandals in that culture was considered a humiliating gesture. Even the greatest prophet who was called to prepare the way for the coming Messiah says that he is lower than even a house slave in comparison. So here they're thinking that he is the Messiah that he's the anointed one. And he responds to them and says, I am lowlier and worse off than any household slave in comparison to the one who is coming. That is great humility that we see. And notice another thing he says in the next verse down in Matthew chapter three, verse 12 in Mark chapter one, verse, verse eight, he says, he will come the Messiah, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He says, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In a commentary, it says that John was saying that the Messiah, when he came, would prepare a remnant, that's the wheat, for the kingdom by empowering and cleansing the people. Those who reject him, that's the chaff, would be judged and cast into eternal unquenchable fire. And that is prophetic of Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. So again, John the Baptist is also following suit with what the prophets had said uh, long ago before he came on scene. Now, this concept of this winnowing fork, another commentary says that this was a hand device that was used by the farmer to throw the mix from his shredded pile of grain and straw into the air to let the wind carry the straw and the chaff away and the grain fall back for collection. That's according to Isaiah 41 verse 16. So here's the point. Jesus is going to come on scene. He's going to baptize his followers in the Holy Spirit. That was going to come. And as he was laying down the law and fulfilling it in all righteousness, not abolishing it, but fulfilling it and proclaiming him as the son of God and performing miracles. And of course, eventually laying down his life and was, and was, was killed for our, for, for you and me and was buried and on the third day rose again. This judgment was going to be coming. Jesus's ministry was all about with a winnowing fork, throwing up, okay, the shredded uh, pile of grain and separating the chaff, those who rejected him, the bad stuff from the wheat, the remnant, the people who will follow him. That is a message that is still going on today is separating the wheat from the chaff. And that's what we're told in Scripture, throughout Scripture, and even through the ministry of Paul and other apostles. 
And we are told here in Luke chapter 3, three verse 18, that there were many other exhortations that John the Baptist gave. Now, what I would, I would love to know what other exhortations John was giving at that time, but I think we know enough. And the Bible ends by saying that, again, he preached the good news to the people. People got it. They understood the difference between what was false doctrine that was coming from the mouths of the Pharisees and Sadducees and what was sound doctrine that was coming from the mouth of John the Baptist. So I want to leave us with this on the podcast today. Be very careful with the type of teaching that you're getting from people. There, Even though John the Baptist was different, even though he did not look like other people, people were not just intrigued by him, but they knew that the Spirit of God was upon him. Oftentimes we can judge and become critical and quench the work of the Holy Spirit or not be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is actually using someone that you and I never thought imaginable. That is the great thing about the Lord. And you know what? It may not look like something that you and I are expecting, but God will give us the discernment to know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So thanks for listening. Tune in next time here on Stand Strong in the Word. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.